This is Waiting for Review, a show about iOS development and the Apple ecosystem. From the UK, I'm Dave Knott, and joining me from New Zealand is Dave Wood. Where do you want to start? We should probably start by talking about Johnny Ive. I Elephant in the room, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess everyone's going to cover it to death, but I feel like we should at least acknowledge it, given kind of the, the kind of the weight that he has over the company that has a lot of impact on our incomes, uh, my potential yep. income anyway. <laughs> when I finally <laughs> ship an app, but um, obviously your income, especially. Uh, yeah. So, what were you on now? Like day three after the announcement, at least. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure down to time zones and this, that, and the other. It was um, it was Friday morning here in New Zealand when uh, when the news became apparent. Anyway, um, actually, I was out with uh, with my teammates on a on a work uh, sort of team trip, and uh, we were all just starting our day off and. Um, I sort of scrolled through Twitter and I was like, hey, what? Johnny Ives leaving Apple, what? You know, and of course, that affects everything that we're up to, to some degree or another, uh, potentially, you know. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, we, we all had that sort of moment of stunned kind of, like, what, really? Okay. Um, and then I've thought about this since, and I've had a few conversations with a few people, and you know, we can say that it affects what we do and, and has a knock-on and that sort of thing, but I guess in some ways he's kind of been stepping back in in, in and becoming much more sort of advisory rather than in the nitty-gritty of it all, I think. You know, you sort of assume like he's, he's, he's got a, a team of people um, and they're across all sorts of different aspects of design and everything inside of Apple. And so... Okay, yeah, there's a guiding hand there, as it were, that's probably been coming from him. But you know, literally, the designs and that end of stuff has not necessarily been all coming from him. It's not the same as sort of like you know the the, the iPod era and the iMac era. I, I kind of feel like we've it's been more of a a team effort in recent years. Yeah. Do you think that's more like post jobs? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't. You know, when I read the news, probably again like Thursday evening, I don't recall feeling that kind of shocked. I was kind of like, yeah, this was coming, kind of feeling. Um, and I thought back actually, I was uh, coming back from Ireland on a ferry in 2015, sort of May time. Yeah, and I remember I was listening to an episode of ATP on the crossing, and it was when I think he'd been made chief design officer. And yep. they were kind of debating, well, actually, is is this kind of like, you know, Apple put it as, oh, jo- Johnny's been promoted um, to chief design officer, whereas actually the discussion was, well, maybe kind of the writing's on the wall, that actually this is him taking more of an abstract role in the design process, like, like you said, being more of a guiding hand versus, yep. you know, being day-to-day involvement. And I kind of thought then, I was like, yeah, actually that makes a heck of a lot of sense when you think about it. Um, and that's always kind of stuck with me, that episode. I've always thought, actually, yeah, Johnny I probably isn't as involved as perhaps some think he is, or certainly not to the degree that he once was. Like, again, when you think back to the iPod and the, and the original iMacs, 
Yeah. So, I, yeah, I can't honestly say I was surprised. Um, it felt almost inevitable in a way. It, it, it seemed like something was up when, when he was made chief design officer and there was two people that were sort of slotted in underneath him. Um, their names are blanking on their names. Apologies. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it was almost, almost like um, he's he's taken a lesser lesser role that you know and it must be exhausting yeah. you think about his role that he's had for the amount of time that he's had it it, it must be yeah uh, i mean it's a 30 year career in in apple right he's been been within apple for 30 years isn't it nearly yeah yeah that's a long time and it yeah. must have been must have taken a huge toll when steve died um i don't know if you saw it there was a thing that apple did a few months after uh, steve died almost like a like a a thing they put on within um infinite loop mm. um just like a almost a memorial for him and johnny spoke at it and yeah you could tell he was really sad about it and it yeah must, must have hit the guy hard I'm, I'm sure it hit a lot of people hard but i think it hit him particularly hard and it must have been i'm trying to think how i would feel if i because they're almost like partners in crime weren't they yeah, and and if you think about it, like Ivers effectively emigrated to be there, right? Yeah, you know he's, he's he's come away from from the UK from from family and home, and I I would imagine working with Steve would have been a massive part of that, right? You know, not not least. I mean, obviously they were working together on the product and everything else but that relationship that dynamic would have probably been been part of it you're working with somebody at such a level that you 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 know putting your dent in the world and all of that so yeah uh, to, to lose steve at that point would probably leave that mission kind of feeling a bit weird it must have been quite terrifying as well because i imagine that they always had each other and then when obviously johnny was on his own uh, obviously not entirely on his own but like kind of yeah without steve i'm trying to think how i would feel in that situation i'd feel a bit i feel very vulnerable i know that much and i'd feel a massive pressure to you know succeed without him and yeah mm-hmm. I, I think that could have been quite a, quite a crushing feeling uh yeah and to then integrate with the the team that is then at the helm as well which you would already be part of and, and with him but the direction would be different i think that would feel not necessarily bad but it would certainly be something to process you know the type of work and the way you're working would would uh be different afterwards Mm. in some way or another so i can imagine it's probably been a bit of that you know back in the moment back at the time and then since then as has been a case of uh of just not having that same kind of relationship in, in existence and so you know at that point that that would to me that would feel like wanting and needing to move on in some direction and, and so yeah i mean you know we've we're kind of putting a lens on this of, and projecting how we would feel and i'm sure there's a load more to it but i could see his moving on as being a continuation of since since steve went you know and, and, and it kind of being a natural sort of progression out of that and the fact that he's starting his own company as well where he'll have that kind of complete control over what happens and everything else that that makes perfect sense you know and uh yeah uh, there's also the noting that uh the company is it's called love from isn't it Mm -hmm. yeah 
um, and, and their first client that they expect to, to be working with is, is Apple. Uh, and that makes sense too. Oh, I don't know. But I think that's a complete like, spin. Mm, I'm really not sure. I think that's the PR machine at work. I I think once he's kind of gone, for the most part, he's gone. Like he might sort of pop in occasionally, but I don't, yeah. I, I don't know. I, to me, I think that that's more of like the PR machine at work. And yeah, on the books, and I'm sure they might do a little bit of work for Apple, therefore they count as a client and whatever, but I, yeah, I, I can't, I can't see it somehow. Yeah, I don't know. I really don't know. It depends on, on how much of a, a gap is really being left over on Apple's side, I guess. You know, like, I could sort of see, like, if if that is, um, if that guiding hand, as it were, that we've described is kind of um, not represented in anybody else, then I could see them kind of having an extended kind of uh, long goodbye through that relationship, I guess. Mm. It seems weird now that Jeff Williams has sort of become almost stepping into Johnny's role in a way. Yeah. And he's essentially chief operations officer. Um, yeah, just the, the organizational structure there seems a bit confusing. Um, John Gruber noted it in his article that he wrote. And yeah, that, that just seems odd to me. But then you can also think of it in another way that... Um, Jeff Williams is he's quite often on stage with the Apple Watch isn't he Mm -hmm. and if you're on stage it's because you're kind of the sort of responsible individual for that product um, at Apple so maybe maybe it is unfair to be like why is Jeff Williams sort of getting involved like he's not a design guy he's an operations guy but yeah if he's been that deeply involved with the Apple Watch maybe he deserves more credit there than perhaps I'm giving him Uh, but yeah it's a funny funny old week to be uh, watching and commenting on Apple that's for sure Think, thinking about that one though with with Jeff Williams he's what he's the chief operating officer yeah and what does that role exactly mean does that mean somebody who is kind of making everything come together in terms of operations and and getting from one uh one department to another to the production line is it that sort of connection out uh well keep in mind this is what Tim Cook did before he was CEO he was chief operations officer and yeah. in my head i've always equated that with oh you kind of make sure the supply chain's all in line and all you know everything's all lined up but again yeah. um i forget where i what i was watching or what i was listening to it may have been renee ritchie and john gruber actually did a sort of video podcast thing um and i think again gruber was saying something like essentially when you're coo at apple that's kind of code for you're the chief executive's kind of right-hand man. Um, yeah. Almost chief executive in waiting, but you're like the number two, essentially. And COO mm-hmm. is just kind of title for that. But yeah, it, it, it is the fact there's not like a direct kind of replacement for Johnny that's a little bit little bit off. Um, I'm wondering if that's a byproduct of, of his role originally kind of feeling like it was sort of... Uh, crowbar in's the wrong word but it was certainly created for him right what went the chief design officer thing yeah oh yeah definitely yeah i think that was almost like a manufactured role and title in a lot of ways like now, now we can look back on it with you know the benefit of hindsight yeah so so with his um with the design team leaders reporting to jeff williams now that's um evans hankey and alan die yeah so they're vice presidents of um, industrial design and human interface de- design. 
with those reporting through a chief operating officer, that kind of makes sense, right? That that's an element of we want to do this. You know, we want to build this, um, either in hardware or in software, and they'll have to come together. But equally, they'll need to then also coordinate that um, outwards across the production line. And so, I guess having that kind of coming together of the the, the two vice presidents there into a chief operating officer who will probably have other reports right who are responsible for the supply chain and that side of things i guess that kind of reporting line makes sense to me in a way uh and the only the only case i can kind of see for being made for what johnny's role was above the two for industrial design and human interface design would have been to try and make them coordinate together in some way, you know, to sort of keep track of, well, that's happening there, that's happening there, and and so hardware and software need to, to come together. But in Apple, that's always needed to happen. You know, you're not going to need a role above to enforce that, so because the, those two vice presidents will have to communicate to deliver what they do. And maybe that's what Johnny's role will be via his new company, almost a, like a consultant that comes in to make sure there is sort of harmony between the hardware and the software and mm-hmm. like that kind of guiding hand as a you know a con- an outside consultant almost um, yeah 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 I, could I, I, st- I still feel there's a lot of spin going on there from PR I feel like what's going on has been actually um, almost a bit of a masterclass of PR in a lot of ways in the way just from the just from the beginning of like when Johnny got promoted to chief design officer it was yep. like a very long play handled very very well um and again, it makes sense. They did all those profiles, a really big profile on Johnny Ive back at the time. And then there was, uh, I think they started opening up the design team a little bit more to the press briefly. So it all feels like this was one big long play. And, you know, hats off. It's quite impressive. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I, I mean, they must have reached a point, I would imagine, now where potentially what he's going to be doing doesn't really feel that much different to what he has been doing for the last few months. Quite, yeah. And, you know, some people's reaction has been, oh my God, what's going to happen to Apple now without Johnny? It's like, well, we've kind of had Apple without Johnny now for maybe three years. Uh, yeah. And I say without Johnny, just with a, without Johnny being massively involved. It seems like there's been a gradual tapering away of his involvement. Um, so maybe we've already had this kind of, in air quotes, Apple without Johnny that you know, a lot of people seem to be afraid of. Uh, you read through Twitter and some of the articles... Um, maybe that's kind of proof there is nothing to be afraid of because we've kind of already been in this situation for some time already. Yeah. Um, but no, hats off to Johnny. I mean, that's a that's a heck of a career he's had. Um, you know, the career's not even over by the sounds of it. It sounds like the career's merely evolving. And you know, good luck to the guy. Um, he's uh, it's impressive. <laughs> yeah, very very impressive. What else were we going to talk about? Oh, the MacBook. See, How did I get the MacBook? Yeah, <laughs> my my MacBook. <laughs> that I don't even have, and possibly may not even get anyway when it comes out because it'd be too expensive. <laughs> Crikey! Um, um, right, have you got the Mac Rumors article? I'm about to try and find it. I'll link it to you. I've got it open, bookmarked, and always present. <laughs> 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 oh, your MacBook! I feel it's daft. I feel almost like when it does come out, 
I'm going to look like a real fool if I don't buy it, given how long I've been sort of going on about it for. Oh, you've kind of committed to it now, yeah. Well, but, well yeah, I mean, obviously, if it's a ridiculous amount of money, I'm just going to have to be like, nope, can't do it. And then <laughs> just, yeah, that'll have to be that. I suppose we should probably back up, shouldn't we? So what happened um, earlier this week, uh, one of these um, sort of analyst firms, uh, ISH Market, they're called, they predicted the 10.5-inch iPad Pro before anyone knew about the 10.5-inch iPad Pro. So they've got a good track record. And this week they've come out with what they believe to be the screen specs for this uh, rumoured 16-inch MacBook Pro. And they are predicting a 16-inch screen with a resolution of 3,072 by 1920. Um. I suppose the one thing of note is that it's an LCD, not an OLED, because there were rumours that Apple are in talks with Samsung to provide OLED displays. Um, Especially as I think there was some deal in their contract that Samsung were guaranteed to have orders for a certain amount of OLED panels and demand wasn't as high on their OLED phones, so Apple were going to have to pay penalties. Um, Right. But part of the negotiations were actually... If we use OLED, if you make us OLEDs for laptops and potentially iPads, then can we not pay you the penalties and we'll just pay you for the screens? Mm-hmm. Um, so I was partially relieved to see this rumor that it's an LCD because I'm not comfortable at all about having an OLED screen on a laptop. Um, you remember how kind of twitchy I was about it on a phone? About the burning? Yeah, about the burning. That's the, and I haven't seen any of it on my iPhone 10 or at least I can't notice any of it on my iPhone 10 although I still do somewhat live in fear of it um, but I think a phone is used or certainly my phone is used less of the time and has kind of less static objects on the screen because it's constantly you're bouncing between apps quite a lot yep. therefore you're unlikely to get a huge amount maybe the home indicator and like the Wi-Fi bars that kind of thing but on the Mac, it's a bit different, isn't it? Because you've got the dock, you've got the menu bar, um, you've got a wallpaper. Um, like, for example, while we've been chatting all of this time tonight, I've had part of the wallpaper kind of peeking out between some windows I've got open. So I've got like a little the little Sierra Mountain thing that could yep. potentially have just been burning that whole time on an OLED. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, slight sigh of relief when I saw it was going to be an LCD. But interesting a lot of other people are like oh boo it's going to be an lcd but to me that's that's good news anyway so yeah yeah i'm not sure what would necessarily be gained by having oled other than obviously the, the clarity that oled gives but it's the black levels isn't it really yeah that, that's the thing is because each pixel is self-illuminating so if you want pure black you just don't light up the pixel um but yeah. due to the fact that each pixel is self-illuminating they um, are susceptible to burning in the same way that plasma is because each yeah. pixel of plasma is self-illuminating and if you have a big box of white all that white is working really hard while the rest of the screen isn't so that will dim quicker which gives the illusion of a burning so mm-hmm. yeah um, the resolution was interesting though, I think as you were pointing out to before I went on my rant there um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> 3072 by 1920 um part of me thought we might get some kind of like 4k res on this um yeah but i guess maybe battery life might have been a concern there maybe see this this is the weird thing 
with the with the with the fifteen inches, isn't it? Because um, doesn't it default to a with the current fifteen inches? It defaults to a scaled resolution. So by default, it's kind of rendering at sixteen eighty by ten fifty, and then it's scaling that to the MacBook Pro panel, which has an effective resolution of fourteen forty by nine hundred. Right. That would make sense, I guess. Obviously, um, in terms of pixels, it's double that. It's 2880 by 1800. Yep. Um, but you're talking about some scaling and the point size rather than it being pixel size. Yeah, so if, if it was going to be running at true retina at that scale, at 1680 by 1050, the panel would be... Uh, come on, maths. Uh, what's 1680 times 2? Whatever that is plus whatever 1050 times 2 is, that would be the res of the screen, and then obviously it would be a pure 2x. Yeah. So that would be 3360 by whatever the other one was. 2100. So yeah, it, yeah so yeah. it would be, be a higher number of pixels than is on the rumour. Yeah. Well, if it yeah. was going to do it right, if it was going to have, if you're going to have the pixels match up with the resolution that the current 15 inch is doing, the 15 inch would have that resolution. Yeah. So this 16 inch having a lower resolution than that means that they're probably going to still carry on with the they're going to keep playing the same game essentially that they've been playing with the 15 mm-hmm. inch where it's not sort of pure retina if you like as in the resolution isn't mapped directly to the pixel in terms of 2xing it. I feel like yeah. I'm doing a really bad job of explaining this. I kind of thought about it before the show and I had it nailed in my head and now I'm just going and <laughs> not explaining it at all. Um the point the point is though with the 15 inch that you have, if you were to go into settings, you could say display, um, you know, you can make it go to true 2x. So it will display a logical resolution of 1440 by 900 on the panel that is 2880 by 1800. So it is almost like Retina on the iPhone 4. Everything just works at, at 2x. So there's no like funny yep. scaling because if you run it at what it wants to run it at out of the box, it's going to be slightly blurred because it wow, you know, okay. doesn't match up. Yeah. Um, so looking at this resolution it looks almost like it's going to be a similar pixel density to the 15 inch there's just more of them obviously because the screen's slightly bigger so it'll be interesting to see if they try and render a larger resolution off screen then render it into the screen almost like they did with Mm -hmm. the iPhone 6S so that was a 1080p panel but it was actually being rendered at 3x off screen and then scaled to the 1080p panel. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, I do. So that's that's almost very, that's just basically what's happening with your 15 inch. They're rendering something bigger off screen and then scaling it to the panel. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, kind of a shame in that sense because I'd like to have seen them almost say, okay, with the 16 inch, we are going to run it at 1680 by 1050. And there's going to be that, mm-hmm. a panel of, uh, was it 33, would you say? Uh, 3360, I think it was. 3360 by 2100. Then that resolution can run at pure 2x on that screen perfectly. Uh, yeah. It doesn't look like that's going to happen. So there's a little bit of a fly in the ointment there. Um, but interestingly, they say it's coming out in September. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which is, uh, I didn't expect that. No, and, and I think it's worth noting that this is an analyst uh, company that has had uh, past success, right? 
yeah. in terms of being accurate about their um, their predictions and that that end of stuff. Um, so they they accurately re- revealed the um, ten point five inch iPad Pro um, ahead of time. Um, so I think yeah, it's probably I wouldn't say it's safe to discuss this as if it's definitely happening, but it's certainly like there's a direction coming out and. and there's a direction that there is going to be a machine at some point before the year is out, I think, is, is the message that I'm sort of seeing here. Yeah, because Ming-Chi Kuo in February said there'll be a 16-inch MacBook in 2019, and most people took that to mean, oh, that'll be in, like, the fall. Mm-hmm. And then this comes out, say, in September, which is basically the fall, really, isn't it? It's kind of like September slash October. Yeah, That's what I would consider a- to be... Announced yeah. in September, available in October would, would kind of do that. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me at all, actually. If me, but then would they announce it at the iPhone event? I don't know. Yeah, that, I mean, that's have a possibility. Um, September iPhone event, then October Mac event slash iPad event, which is generally at the end of the month in October. Yeah, and the iPhone event is generally at the start ish of September, so it's a good six weeks, seven weeks between the two. Um, yeah, but then think about it this year with the with with the iPhones, is there really going to be a lot to talk about? Potentially not. Potentially uh, not, kind of like, so we've made the new A13 chip and it's X amount faster and the cameras are really good and now there's three of them and they're slightly different yeah. colours. Yeah. Uh, uh, anything else? <laughs> it's absolutely possible that they would want to pair the two together to have a, a different kind of, of announcement. Uh, could you imagine if they they actually used this um, uh, as being their sort of one more thing? I would love it if they did. Yeah, yeah. I think I would jump out of the chair in excitement if they did that. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, a solid solid update to the iPhone lineup, and then and one more thing. Uh, yeah, and they do Apple Watch as well in September, don't they? Usually, as a rule. Yeah, but again, we had the Series Four last year, which was kind of the redesign. Um, so short of battery life and power this year um i'm not sure what to expect from the watch necessarily either so i feel like the watch and the phones really are on an s year this year yeah even though we've just had the s year last year for the phones it feels like this year unless they've kept something very very quiet it's going to be quite a yeah not not a very lively event i would have thought i mean happy to be proven wrong on this don't get me wrong but um, but um, I, I could see them actually with with the phone. I could see them potentially even doing something that we've not seen before in terms of. Uh, I'm thinking about the 10R and where that sits in the lineup. I could actually see them just not having any update for that model this year, going another year before before there's a sort of meaningful update to the 10R or something in its class. Potentially. Unless we see an iPhone SE as well, that could be like the star of the show, perhaps, couldn't it? Could be, really, could be. Oh wow! Don't don't start. Um, <laughs> an, an iPhone yeah. SE that goes edge to edge would be uh, a pretty cool little device, I think. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. But my point is, I think, is that there could be a lot of room in this event for another announcement of some kind. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just how much is it going to cost? That's what I need to know. Um, <laughs> Oh, lordy. Yeah, it could <laughs> be expensive. It's going to cost a, a, a many of dollars. <laughs> oh. 
the, th- the thing is that we were saying last night that the uh, my MacBook fund, if you like, is is a separate pile of money to like my sort of day to day, month to month living expenses. Yeah, and it's separate from like all of the joint money that Heather and I have. So it is purely that pot of money is purely for the MacBook, and in my head, it, it's already spent on the MacBook, even though I don't own it yet. Yeah, so I don't feel like a huge emotional sort of pull with that money, if that makes sense. No, um, that that does make sense. However, if this thing comes out and it's three thousand pounds, I'm going to really struggle emotionally to spend that much on a laptop. Yeah, because we've already got the the eight core i nine sitting at twenty seven hundred, and presumably this is going to be another tier of product rather than replace the existing fifteen inch. I mean, if if we know Tim Cook's Apple by now, it's kind yeah. of the, you know, as many tiers as possible. Um, so this would be a starting at where that one leaves off kind of maybe, mark. Maybe they do starting at twenty six ninety nine, but you get the internals of the twenty three ninety nine model. Yeah. And then to get the eight core i9 in it, you then have to go up to twenty nine ninety nine or thirty two ninety nine or whatever. You know, I could see that sort of overlap being a thing. Because then you're making a choice, aren't you, at that twenty six ninety nine price point? Do you want the new shiny or do you want the eight core i nine? Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm in a position where I'm able to get discounts through work. So that if it if it was twenty nine ninety nine, I feel even ridiculous saying this because that is such an obscene amount of money to spend on a laptop. Um, but if <laughs> l- let's say it's twenty nine ninety nine, I'm able to get discount through work. Yeah. Um, that makes it slightly more palatable. It would mean that in my laptop fund, I would end up needing to find another 600-ish pounds. Yeah, okay. That's, uh, so. that's a lot of money to... Uh, I guess the only way to kind of make sense of that is to sort of think about how long the machine would last for uh, and kind of look at it as a sort of, um, okay, it costs this amount of money, but this is for the next however many years. You know, to kind of give it that sort of view. Um, Looking at my track record, I'm generally on about four to five years per Mac. Yeah. Um, and every time, I remember when I bought the 27-inch iMac, I was like, "This is I've spent a lot of money on this. This is it for the next 10 years, and I've already sold it. Um, yeah. But I'm, I'm, I'm at about the five-year-ish mark. I mean, um, yeah, it, I'm just going to, even if I've got the money sat there, it's going to be a struggle emotionally to spend that. It kind of just doesn't sit right somehow. That is a, no. that is a lot of money. And that's got to bring you around to another set of logic, I guess, in the in the meantime, which is if the 15-inch um, has any significant price reduction yeah, and you're already feeling potentially priced out by where this is likely to land, then you probably have to dive on that if you see that as a as an offer between now and then potentially um yeah there's also an element of me that i feel like i've I've waited this long so i've got to at least wait and (laughs) see what it is yep um it's like all this would have been for nothing if i just cave now and get the 15 inch yeah and, and and even on that um the 15 inch would likely see some reductions at some point after a machine like that enters the lineup you would like hope, even if it, even if it's not Apple reductions, you know you would see it with uh, 
um, the Amazons of the world and, and other places that stock um, Apple products. So I, I would expect to see some sort of discount happen at some point on the 15-inch afterwards. And interestingly, the uh, the article said something that caught my eye. Um, what does it say? What does it say? Uh, as would be expected, uh, Lynn, who is... Uh, yeah, the person who works with the firm, Jeff Lynn. Lynn claims the 16-inch MacBook Pro will feature a new processor. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was odd. The way they said, as would be expected, um, which almost means, like, obviously it's going to have a new processor. But what what would that processor be? Because I was under the impression we'd just seen the latest round of H-series uh, chips from Intel. Hence, yeah. we've just had the new 15-inch MacBooks. And I can't... Uh, I mean, I don't follow Intel that closely, but my understanding is we're not going to see anything majorly new between now and September. No, we've just seen it. We've just seen it. Yeah. Um, so unless Intel come out with some kind of 10 nanometer thing, but my understanding was that the 10 nanometer chips are starting to come out on the low powered chips, like the U and the Y series Intel chips. Right. So for like the really thin and lights, um, Probably what the MacBook Air will end up seeing this fall when it gets updated. That wouldn't surprise me if we get a 10 nanometer chip in that this year. Yeah. Um, but my understanding was the H series, which are like the higher power ones that we get in the MacBook Pros, um, that could be 2020 at least until we get those in 10 nanometer. So I just thought that was an interesting detail. It's kind of like the way they say, well, obviously we're going to get a new chip. It's like, well, obviously, really? Like, what? what is it? I mean, surely not ARM, but... Equally, if it's not, well, what what are we going to get from Intel? It might just mean be you know be me not following Intel as closely as perhaps I should be. It, it could be. I'm really not sure about it being an ARM chip of any sort. I don't think that would be. Hmm. No, we would have heard about it as developers by now. We'd have had like the the talk from Apple at WWDC, wouldn't we? Uh possibly, possibly. I sort of feel like the way stuff's going, um, we've almost reached a stage where they could do it and the tools are in place to kind of make it not matter. Um, so but we just I st- don't need to be told? Uh, we get told when it's ready. Really? Potentially, yeah. But I, I think we're, we're still a way away from that. On iOS, it makes very little difference. You know, you're compiling to Bitcode and um, and that's it, really. There is the ability there, I think, for Apple to, to just land another processor and life goes on. Yeah, because isn't the idea of Bitcode that if Apple come out with like a new innovation in a processor, that they can recompile your app at yes. their end to then take advantage of that silicon feature, essentially? Yeah, exactly, yeah. So for the same thing to happen on, on Mac OS and not really be an impact, you would need the Mac App Store to be in a much more healthy kind of state and much more apps to sort of be there. Um, so it'd be a case of, okay, yeah, there's this work for everybody outside of that, but everybody inside of it gets that. You know they've they, they, we're able to recompile and deliver that version to you. Uh, I don't think the Mac is there yet for that. So no, I, I would agree. Uh, but part of me feels like you know post Catalina, maybe we're getting into that kind of stage with Catalyst and everything else going on. So it kind of feels like it's lining up for that to be the thing. Um. So, uh, yeah, I don't think it's going to be an ARM chip in this model of MacBook Pro this year. Um, it feels a little bit premature to me. 
Yeah, maybe I'll have to revisit what Intel's plans are. Yeah, it's it's hard to, it's hard to work out because there was a leaked document that I saw um, not too long ago that again said, oh, you know, desktops won't be getting ten nanometers till twenty twenty one, and sort of the H series laptop chips might be a little bit before that, but roughly kind of the same time scale. Um, but also looking at that same document, which was a leaked roadmap, they were saying that the U and the Y series wouldn't be getting 10 nanometer until next year sometime. But now, of yep. course, we're hearing that 10 nanometer is actually coming this year. Um, should be on the shelves for kind of the holiday season this year, at, you know, worst case. So that then calls into question that whole leaked roadmap. If mm-hmm. the U and the Y series was incorrect, maybe there might be something with uh, with the H series. And you never know. Part of me thinks maybe they'll sort of Apple might get the first batch of ten nanometer chips for the MacBook Pros almost as a bit of a peace offering from Intel, being like oh, I was going to say it would it would actually kind of fit the side opera of of it all a little bit in a sense of sort of reaffirming that relationship and sort of like hey you can have these these first we've kind of developed these especially for you I could certainly see Intel doing that um, just not least of which because it does look like ARM is going to be a thing. Yeah, so I think I think Intel's issue is that they've got low yields. So when they do like a huge wafer, they don't only you know the amount of processors on that wafer that are good isn't high enough to go into mass production. Yeah, um, but if it's just Apple and they're maybe doing a bit of like a backroom deal, um, it's possible. Um, I don't yeah. know. It's just an interesting tidbit that um, just stuck out to me, and I did ask on Twitter if anyone knew anything about it, and yeah, crickets. So. <laughs> Wait and see. But I'm super excited for the machine. Um, I yeah, think totally. in my heart of hearts, I probably, even if I see a great deal on the 15-inch, I'll be sort of paralysed in a way, yeah. <laughs> knowing that this 16-inch is coming. Um, need to just be to adding it. to the fund, I think, um, as best you can. Yeah. If you can. And and, and I kind of feel like I'm in a position where I've saved up this money and it's been it's been an effort to save up this money. This, this isn't just like money I've just sort of gotten from you know just yeah. come out of nowhere this has been a, a concerted effort to get this money in place and i feel like a, a certain amount of pressure to get this right <laughs> um and i'd hate to almost like miss this opportunity um so even if it means waiting and seeing the 16 inch and taking a pass on it i i need to see it first Okay, we'll call that a wrap. If you've enjoyed today's show, it'd be great if you could leave us a review on iTunes or if you could leave us a recommendation in Overcast by hitting that star button. That will help us reach even more like-minded people. Um, Also, we have our Slack channel. We'd love to invite you to join. Our hope is it can be a really great place for fellow developers to come and hang out. If you'd like to join, uh, just leave us a message on Twitter at WFR Podcast and we'll get you signed up. So, Dave, before we run off, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at DWRoboHeads, that's RoboHeads spelled with a Z. And you can find my apps at RoboHeads.com, again that's RoboHeads spelled with a Z. How about you Dave? You can follow me online at DaveNot.co.uk or on Twitter I'm at underscore DaveNot. <laughs>